Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. Hi, and I'm Tim Cask. Welcome to the Tri-Tac Games Podcast, your podcast to find the greatest minds in the gaming industry and bringing them right here so you don't have to go looking for them. This week, we are very much pleased to have Tim Cast, a true gaming luminary on our podcast, who's going to tell us how his vision of gaming as it uh, starts now and goes to the future, is amazingly close to our own, which always pleases us. Yeah. Oh, Peter, you were asking about Apoc- Apocalypto? Another reason why I disliked the movie was that, well, it was too jungly. The Mayans had had areas of under under cultivation that would beggar the, the imagination. It was too jungly. It was too wild to, to be right. I mean, if you if if you look at the at the way they have it cut back right now, that's just start. Imagine it cut back for a couple hundred miles. What I do know about the cultures at that time is the cities were huge. I mean, they had humongous populations, which would have meant they would have had to had unbelievable amounts of farming and stuff to feed all those. Well, they they speculate that its heyday, Teotihuacan, over in the Valley of Mexico, might have been the largest city in the world during its heyday. Over a million people, right? Well, they had. Well over 100,000 just living in the city of Kor in the precincts of the temple. If you right. take the whole thing, yeah, the, med, the greater metro area easily. Bigger than London, yeah. bigger than anything, bigger than Paris, bigger oh, yeah. than anything during its period of time. Right, and they, they would have had to add huge farms to, to, to feed all those people. Just a few miles from any of the uh, temples, they keep running into buildings. Right. You keep finding huts and buildings, and you know it's like you start realizing this place was all under cultivation. What's amazing to me is that that how advanced they were as a society, right? But they didn't have metal. In some ways, they were still Stone Age people. They were math geniuses, and they understood the concept of zero, all on their own. Right. They had zero. They they understood a lot about astronomy. Uh, they had a, an advanced calendar. They must have had really good social structure to, to to maintain that number of people without everybody starving. Being able to maintain a city of that size, they had to be very advanced. They just didn't have metal. Their lunar calendar still is still accurate. Right. Remember, they had the long count. They also had you know multiple multiple calendars. Basically, they had the long count calendar. They also had the one they would use more on the on a personal level. And if you plug in the numbers and you look at them, it's fairly still, it's probably one of the most accurate calendars ever made. Well, I like the idea that there was three or four cenotes that they used to determine the uh, solstice on because the sun shone directly through the hole at the top. And uh, and all the cenotes that they have found that were used as uh, offering places if they look far enough away, usually no more than three, four hundred yards, they will find a, a, an observatory. 
They always had observatories in close proximity to these cenotes because they used the cenote to make sure the calendar was accurate each year. Hmm. Their astronomy and their mathematics was amazing for a primitive people, amazing. And their agriculture was, obviously it couldn't be sustained because it eventually, you know, eventually failed. Right. Yeah, and, they, and, and there's some evidence that uh, Cibola, you know, the seven seas of gold, probably were were in in, in Brazil, in the Amazon. Yep. Because that's what because they go along and you start realizing, wait a second, these you know you find these little villages and you realize, well, actually they've done some uh, satellite overviews and satellite uh, surveys with radar and they realize, oh, there's cities down there. Right. They're just basically been eaten alive by the forests. And then that, that's where we also find the Terra Preta, which is this wonderful soil that just renews itself. Uh, it has a, 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 a fungus that lives inside of it that basically continually composts itself, making it fertile soil. And it's not just five, it's, it's like 10 feet thick in places. Nice. Well, like Midwestern topsoil. It is the most productive soil ever in the world. <laughs> and it's transplantable. As long as you transplant it to the same environment. So, Tim, do you have uh, what what kind of future stuff do you think? I mean, we've talked about the stuff that you're working on. I know it's still that's all still in development. But like, it, you know, beyond everything we've talked about, have you thought about? Um, is there anything else you're thinking about working on um, with this interdimensional stuff? Well, uh, Jim Ward and I are collaborating on a uh, sci-fi adventure. Oh, okay. Third one in the Dark series. Uh, dark Visitor, Dark Colony, Dark something. Or like, I can't ever remember. <laughs> right. um, he's writing his half uh, from from space, and I'm writing my half as a planet that has become aware. Okay. These big probes went into this huge uh, formation of this mineral that's more conductive than silica, and it's it's now self-aware and learning. And it's learned to find these veins of this stuff that go all through the planet. And so they're there finding out why the mining station got destroyed when the planet was just killing something that was biting them like a mosquito. Right. So they're going to have to interact with a planet. Okay. That sounds interesting. I've never been a planet before, but I'm going to write this from the point of being the planet. <laughs> well, you know, 52 years of gaming... You should be able to pull it off, right? Yeah, I, I haven't been a planet yet. I guess I'm past due. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's not Solaris, you're okay. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to go Nova anytime, so yeah. we're not worried. <laughs> but uh, I'm doing that. Um, Frank wants to collaborate on a couple of uh, two-parters with me. Uh, he may collaborate on one of these uh, Mesoamerican ones. We we talked about that uh, last week when I was. My wife and I were up in with him for a couple of days. Beyond that, I don't know, occasional article for Gygax Magazine, reaching out to some of my old-time friends to get them to do pieces. We're going to get Mike Carr to do a piece for us for the issue that's coming out just before Gen Con. He has a unique viewpoint. Mike is the only person still alive that has been to every single Gen Con. Wow. From the very first one on Gary's back porch. Oh my God! To last year, and um, Mike and I had a lovely talk last year. We 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 finally got time together, uh, and we talked about uh, you know, will we go to Gary Con and we're we're the old guard, you know, and we run special games and all this. And 
we were laughing about how how we got to be the old guard, and it's a process of elimination. We're the, right. the last one still alive. My cachet is that I'm the oldest one. I'm the the that's been there the longest is still alive because Gary's dead and Dave's dead and Dave's dead. They're dead, Dave. They're dead, Dave. They're all dead, Dave. <laughs> well, Dave Sutherland, Dave Arneson, you know, Joe's dead. Uh, a lot of us originals from the early days are, are gone now and or out of the business entirely or loony. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I tell him, you know, he says, well, it's not a job I want any, I, it's not a title I want anytime soon because he'd be next in line. Oh, right. And I said, well, that's all right. I intend to hold on to it for a while. I'd rather be the oldest living guy than, oh, you remember him. He died last week. Right, he right. died last month. So I told him I intended to hold on to the title for a good 10 or 12 years, not not to be in any hurry to assume the mantle. We certainly hope so. Well, I'll be 65 in January, so I should have another good 10 or 12 years. Oh, yeah, you got time. It's when I can no longer get out to cons, and I got to have, I got to beg people to come in, come to my house and play games with me. That's when you start getting into uh, online gaming, uh, online uh, role-playing games. I'll try to run a game on Skype, but if I'm going to play games on a computer, I'm, there's only one that I, well, two that I play. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Tim. You get to that point, and uh, uh, Jay and I and, and James will come out and fly out and play games with you from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that'd, that'd be cool. Tim, you've got the cachet. You ought to you know, get together with a bunch of your friends and set up your own retirement community for us gamers to retire to when, you know, when we, it comes to our time. That would only work if one of us had gotten rich to be able to do that. We are working on a gaming weekend or we gaming week in Belize. Belize? Wow. A dear friend of mine has a friend who has a resort in Belize. We just don't know how big it is. And if, we, if it's big enough, we're thinking about going sometime next year, doing a gaming week in Belize sometime next winter. Not this winter, but next winter. Wow. And doing, doing a week in Belize and running games all week doing the beach thing and the whole nine yards so that's a real way out there but that iron is in the fire right that sounds cool i i know that there are gaming cruises right now where people actually get uh they play what? board games and car games role-playing games as part of their cruise really that's cool yeah i have a, a group that we get together twice a month and play board games i'm still a very avid board gamer at heart. I love the whole Ticket to Ride franchise. Uh, we, we've played every every map that's come out for that thing, and uh, we found a couple. I found a couple of good old ones that died when they came out because they were so expensive, but they're excellent games. Uh, they're based on a couple of James Clavell's novels. Uh, one of them's uh, Taipan, the other one's Noble House. Oh, I remember seeing those, yeah, when they came out. I've seen Taipan. Yeah, well, I can understand why they didn't do well. They were pricey at the time, and they required a huge investment of time to uh, separate all the, uh, the, the bills and the, 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 the currency and all that, because it came printed in a book. It was perforated, but uh, it was tedious. Well, Tim, when I get uh, when I uh, send out all my orders for Rogue Chess, because I, I got that kickstarted, uh, I'll, I'll send you a copy of that, and that's something you can play with. It's a two-player because it's chess, you know, but uh, I'll send you a copy of that. 
you know, it's funny. I, I was playing chess when I was, um, I think I learned chess when I was nine or ten. And then in sixth grade, I discovered war games and chess and bridge went right out the window because I was playing contract bridge at the time, too. I, I play any game. Well, rogue chess is pretty cool because it, it actually gives you, you have cards you play with your, you play chess as normal, but you get cards and the cards modify your pieces. Oh. So there's, there's a whole strategy. It's fun. It's really cool. I'll, I'll send you a deck. You play it if you like it. Let me know. If not, it's cool. Keep it. Give it, give it to somebody. It, that's fine. I'll check it out. I'll do that. I will do that. So Tim, you have uh, Eldritch Entertainment. No. Eldritch Enterprises. All right, so Tim, you ha- you have Eldritch Enterprises, which is e l d r i t c h e n t dot com. You should definitely go and check that out. They've got several products for sale. Tim knows how to do games. Just trust me; he knows what he's doing. If anybody does, he does. Go and check out his stuff. Buy his stuff. You know some of the stuff we were talking about tonight on this episode. For TriTac players, the stuff that's coming out for his, his cross-dimensional type stuff, I think will fit perfectly in your, your Fringeworthy games. If you're playing Fringeworthy, this is definitely awesome source material. And you should definitely uh, check it out and uh, get into it. Uh, if you go to any con, so, so Tim, you go to Total Con. I know that because uh, I see you there every year. Uh, all right, so what are your five cons? Well, I go to Total Con. I go to places that send me tickets, you know. Uh, very nice gig I got. I go to Total Con in February. And then I have uh, Cincy Con here in Cincinnati in early March. Then I go to Gary Con in late March. Then I go to North Texas, uh, NTRPG Con, in uh, the first, weekend, first week of June. And then I go to Gen Con in August. Right. So if you go to any of these cons, definitely look up Tim. He runs a, you know, I, I Tim, I got to play one of your games. I've never actually played one of your games. I'm running two new games at Total Con. Two new adventures. One will just be coming out and the other one, uh, maybe it is Time Portal. I'm thinking about running the, my first, doing some playtesting on the Time Portal at Total Con. Cool. I, well, I think I'm, I'm going to, uh, I think I'm going to pull like a, uh, one of my uh, favorite cards from Angela and tell her, put me in one of Tim's games. <laughs> All you have to do is make sure that you have the slot open. I don't right. care if it's, if it's if there's eight slots and eight signed up, I'll always put a ninth or a tenth in. Cool. Okay. They don't let me advertise for that many seats anymore because I was drawing too many people out of the time period. Right. All the people that played with me before know that I can always squeeze in another player or two. I learned to DM as the only DM in a college game club. I had 14, 15 guys in a group. That's how I learned. Well, you see how we like Skype here, Tim. So uh, if you ever want to test out some part of your game that you want to find, hey, give us a call, give us a a tweet or whatever, and uh, we can get together on Skype. I don't tweet. Okay, well then uh, give us a text. (laughs) <laughs> and we'll hook up on Skype and help you out. I don't text. Well, well e- email or Facebook us. Let us know. And we'll... well, ring me on the Amici there, Tim, if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> I, my phone makes calls, it takes calls, and it takes a message. That's all I need my phone to do. I don't need anything else. I don't tweet. Uh, I only went on Facebook because my partners drug me on there kicking and screaming. 
And then I realized what a great free advertising tool it is. It is. Oh, yeah. It's, it's good for that. Yeah. Yeah, like Bruce is saying, if you ever want to run a, a face, you know, like a, any kind of a Skype game. I'm going to be doing something like that uh, this winter. I'm going to be running something online this winter. I don't know if I'm going to do it in a Hangout or I'm going to do it on Skype. I don't have the Skype that allows me to uh, bring in other people. I just have the cheap one. But I don't think I need something else for Google, so I might use Google. I don't know. I'm going to try it out. And that's the only medium that I haven't mastered yet is online. Okay. And we'll, we'll, you know, we can definitely uh, bring find you players, if nothing else. You know. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I can go to, I, I'll go on Facebook and say, hey, I'm going to do it. And I'd have. Right. <laughs> 50 players. Right, right. I'll bet. I'll bet. More than I need. And then how do you say no? Who do you pick? Right. It, uh, it's hard. Yeah. The only person I ever killed on purpose. <laughs> you know, PC. He was just annoying the entire table. And so next time the possibility came up, yep, he caught the rock in the chest. Too bad. <laughs> and when he left the room, the other guys are like, oh, man, can we take a break? Oh, geez, thank you for doing that. Because <laughs> there was so tense in there. It was so, he was just, he was annoying everybody. It's the only time I've arbitrarily killed a PC because the other eight people were suffering. Right, rocks right. fall, everyone dies. <laughs> <laughs> they may have all died later. I don't. I don't recall. <laughs> but <laughs> the end, they had more fun doing it. I'm sure. Right, because at least they enjoyed their death at that point. <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, yeah. There's people that still talk about the way that they, the various ways they died in my adventures. There's legends at GaryCon about some of my adventures. And then there's uh, you. You guys know Mike Curtis. He writes for Goodman. He did Stonehill Dungeon, Dungeon uh, Alphabet. He's he's a great guy. He became he's a now a legend at GaryCon. <laughs> Their group was in deep trouble, and I said, guys, you've already lost a couple. You're you're looking at a TPK unless you pull something out. So he was playing a dwarf, and he had a potion of giant strength. He didn't know how giant it was, so we drank it, and he made him stronger as a hill giant. So he went out and he arm wrestled, or he 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 grappled with two polar bears and killed them both. Oh, okay. Because I'd already set up if you I'd set up a mechanic that if the bear grabbed you, what you had to do to get out of the grab. So I just reversed it. And he, both times he needed to roll a couple of sixes and both times he did. And so he killed two bears barehanded. We teased him about where was his face. Think about a 12-foot polar bear and a three and a half foot dwarf, where would his face be? Oh, bear standing wow. up. Standing up on its hind legs. Right. <laughs> but he became born Bjorn Bearbreaker. Right. Okay. And so he did something legendary. He pulled something out. And uh, the party didn't all die. They had no awesome. more deaths after that. But he wasn't Bjorn yesterday, though. No. <laughs> oh, I'm going to try that again. <laughs> you know, I really despise puns. It took Gary two and a half years before he finally gave up. Because he loved puns, and he would come in with a groaner every other day, and I would not, I'd just ignore him, <laughs> just ignore him, wouldn't, wouldn't rise to the bait, two and a half years, finally he says, that's it, I'm done, Tim, two and a half years, I can't get you to rise to the bait, I'm going to quit, and he did, never punned on me again. All right, so I used to, I used to pun a lot, and we had this rule that if anyone told a pun, and no one else laughed, you could get punched by everybody at the table in the arm. They could, 
<laughs> Damn, now, that's brutal. Well, well, hold on. It gets even more brutal. If one person laughed, everybody could punch that guy. But if ever, if more than one person laughed, no one could get punched. So it, it put a stop to the just punning for no reason. If you had a really good one, you could tell it. But you you always uh, you were always at at the mercy of 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 uh, how funny that was because if if you thought it was funny and no one else did, you would feel the pain and they would they would I I I was I suffered many many a punch. Well, it's only fair because I think puns are verbal diarrhea. Oh uh, yeah, no, it's, no <laughs> I think that's just fine. <laughs> I think that's just fine. You know, it's funny. The writers I know either hate puns or love them. Right. There, there's nobody that's indifferent. None of the guys I know that write, none of the guys I know that write are indifferent to them. They either hate them or they right. do them all the time. Right. I'm in the hate side. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm ashamed. I'm on the hate side. Right. Hate puns. But now, now, do you ever hear any crafty ones, like really crafty ones that you like? No. No. Okay. <laughs> so you totally hate them. <laughs> Lowest form of humor. <laughs> so, so you're not a fan. Of, so you're not a fan of Shaggy Dog stories either, then. Well, I didn't say that. Blix probably knows about the goat and sheep stories. Oh yeah, but <laughs> he's sworn to silence. I am sworn to silence. What happens in Libby's room stays in Libby's room. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, we have I have shaggy sheep and goat stories actually. No okay. shaggy dog stories. No, I don't. No, no shaggy dog stories. Tim, would you repeat now that we're on mic? Uh, when you think these products are coming out? Right now, my second snake riders is uh, going into is going into layout. Then I will start writing on the, the Mayan one. Then at some point, I will be I'll have to pause on that. And when Jim has his half of the sci-fi one, I'm going to do with him. I'll stop on the Mayan one and do my half of that. And then I'll go back to the Mayan one. Then Chris wants me to do a third snake riders. <laughs> And Frank wants me to do a source book for Mesoamerica, and Chris wants me to do a source book for my world that the Snake Riders are on. So it still looks like it might be a busy year next year. Might be. I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes. Uh, with a company such as ours, uh, things come out as cash flow allows. Right. And right now, you know, art's our biggest expense because we're not. None of us are drawing any money. Um, you know, everything goes into art. I hear that. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, we're all in that boat. Uh, Pete's our only artist here, right? Yeah. I found a young lady in Sweden that has done both of my covers. Will be doing my third cover. I think she's just she's got a great vision. Uh, I just like it. I'm going to use her whenever possible just to brand my my products with her art. Um, she's inexpensive and. Very, very good. Um, well, if you've seen, they're on the website. She's done the covers on both of them, and she's done some interior art for a deluxe edition of the first Snake Riders that we may bring out for con season. Well, when it, when it comes to cheap for TriTac, I'm about as cheap as you get, because free is... Uh, <laughs> you can't get much cheaper than free. Peter, you're not exactly free. You have been... Re 
been remunerated with a copy of every single game that TriTech has or has ever produced. So it, 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 there has been some kind of remuneration in here. Now, how much you value that remuneration is entirely your, your own decision. I'm, I'm paid in product. <laughs> we're all on the fame and fortune contract. We'll be famous if we're fortunate enough to get listed in the credits. But you, but you know what, Tim? That that's one of the beauties of uh, of what I do. Um, I have a, I have a day job that pays very very well, so I don't need to make money on the side. I, I really don't. I'm retired, so I don't need it either. So I, I do it for fun, and I pick the projects I want to do. I like TriTac products. I've always loved them very much. Um, so to me. When I give something to Rich, Rich is the guy who owns the company. When I give, when I do something for Rich, I don't mind giving it to him because I feel like all the joy that he's given me over the years by giving me a, a fun product to play with, for me, it's a, it's a fair exchange. You know, I don't mind doing some stuff for him for free because he's he's given me so much you know enjoyment over the years. It, it's kind of cool, you know. It's kind of cool that I can I, I don't have to worry about. You know, any work I do for him, I don't have to worry about. You know, I don't care how much I get paid or don't get paid or whatever. I do it all for free anyway. It's 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 all fun for. Me. If you have someone you can trust um, to do that and not butcher your material, that's that's a main. That's a big thing. Um, you got to be able to trust somebody like that and just hand it over to them. Say here, have fun with it, and then because they can make you look like an idiot if they if they hack it up. That's true. And we recently had an issue with the magazine where a person edited an article that had no I, no comprehension of what the subject matter was about, and the article got emasculated and butchered. That won't ever happen again. It was my article. My stuff doesn't get touched. Or anybody I bring in, I edit their stuff, nobody else. If it's got 25 too many words, I'll pick out the 25 words. I know what I'm doing. Unfortunately, with the magazine, we have a couple of people that are trained as editors, but they're not avid gamers. So that's not a good situation, but they're getting better. So we, we have hopes that that will resolve itself. But uh, I got very upset. I was working on a project I, I'm, I'm planning on in the future. Uh, I was looking for an editor. I was very... Uh, uh, tough on this point it had to be a game editor couldn't be somebody who was just you know who who's very good at english because my writing needs an editor i'm a writer not an editor so the person i found is actually an avid gamer and she works as an editor as her profession so i was like all right that's it we're a good mix yeah there you go i need a gamer i need somebody who games like who will sit at a table and will role play because if you're going to edit a role-playing product you know, you can be the greatest editor in the world, but if you're not a role player, you're not editing my product. Yeah. Interesting enough, there's another kind of editor that would work too, but they're more expensive. They're technical writer writing editors because they write stuff that's basically rules. They edit, they edit rules and explanations how to do things. I did some freelance uh, technical writing, including two uh, classified army uh, pamphlets on how to operate weapon systems. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a technical writer. I'm a technical writer by trade, and uh, my editors are all very good at what they do. What they do, and they probably would be able to handle a game fairly well. But unfortunately, they're fairly expensive. Technical writers who are worth their salt get paid very well. Usually, usually, and they should. Yeah. All right, so so let's uh, let's wrap this up. Um, uh, you know, make sure you go to um, go to Tim's site. And buy his products. 
Gygax magazine, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, read my uh, article, the, the complete <laughs> article, not the butchered version that got printed. <laughs> Where would we find that, Tim? Where would we find the unexpunged article? It's it's right on the website for Gygax magazine. And, and so, so for any of you who don't know, Gygax is G Y G A X M A Z I N E dot com. Um, but, but Gygax magazine um, is an excellent magazine. They, they, Tim, you guys, you, you put together a fantastic product. It is very, very nice. Third one will be out in about two weeks. Sweet, excellent. So I have the first one. I need to get the second one. I haven't gotten. I hope it's still. In, I hope I can still get a copy of it. I have a part of a box in my garage. <laughs> okay, well, definitely, I'll, I'll let you know. But it's a, it's a, it's an excellent product. The artwork is fantastic. The writing is really good, except for the one article that they messed up with Tim's. But <laughs> the the episode the, the 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 number the first issue I have is is fantastic. I mean, from 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 cover to cover, it's awesome. It's old school, but it's new school too. We we are trying to emphasize capital G gaming. Yeah. Right. All of it, whether it's sitting down and playing sorry with your with your niece and your nephew, uh, because surprisingly enough, until you think about it, sorry teaches higher learning principles, evaluation and uh, decision, and et cetera. Or it's sitting down and playing Ticket to Ride, or firing axe, or you know cards. I don't care. You know, if it's card based game. I'm not real big on card based games, but there's a few good ones. Right. Uh, there's a couple that were are long out of print that I still play. Naval War. Oh, yes. Ever play that? Did you ever see the second edition? No, I did not see the second edition. It's in the blue box. I did the second edition redevelopment, and all the house rules from my group, from my basement group, ended up in the second edition rules. We got bonsai rules and carry, new carrier rules and convoy rules where you can swap ammo back and forth with each other instead of anything else. Is this the new Avalon, new Avalon Hill company? No, no, it's the old Avalon Hill. Uh, and, you know, the game came out in a little blue box about that, you know, about that big and about that wide. Uh, and it was blue. That's the only difference. And it was second edition. I remember this kid going, give me the Yam- Yam- Yamamoto or give me one of, the, one of the big guns so I can fire these cards I got. You know what's crazy? If I had been bolder, all right, so Avalon Hill was actually is a Baltimore-based company, and I'm from Baltimore. And if I had been bolder, they, and, and they were, not only were they Baltimore-based, but they were in my neighborhood. If I had been bolder, I would have knocked on their front door and tried to get like an internship or something, work there in the evenings after school or something. I, I really wish I had been a little more uh, active. It probably wouldn't have worked. Uh, Avalon Hill had a a really um, different business model than all the rest of us. Avalon Hill was a branch of Monarch Press. Okay. That's all it was. And they worked nine to five, five days oh, a week. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, nine to five, five days a week. Well, I mean, like maybe maybe a summer job or something, working for them, doing whatever. Because I, I remember walking past their building and thinking, oh, man, Avalon Hill, I play their games. I'd love to, like, you know. I'd like to see you try to talk Tom Shaw into getting a summer job because, man, they were tight. They were tight. Oh, yeah, yeah they were tight. Oh, Lord. They weren't doing internships. Yeah. Right, yeah, they right. weren't doing internships. They weren't writing decent contracts for game designers. That's why most of their stuff was coming basically in-house uh, because they were too stingy to write a decent contract for an outside design. Yeah. So it probably wouldn't work for me anyway then. 
Probably not. Uh, well, well was, SPI was the same way. They were closed houses. Neither one of them. You had to go to one of the low, the lower tiered companies to find anybody to let you in the door. Oh, SPI, SPI made the best games. But let's not go off on that tangent. I, I used to love SPI games, but TSR ended up owning SPI. Yeah. Except, except, well, they owned SPI, but didn't. But they got none of the designers. They went off and created their own company at that point. <laughs> So Tim, thanks for coming on. We really uh, it's been been a great uh, great episode. I, I I'm really happy you joined us, and I really think this is going to be uh, um, uh, this, this product you're coming out with is going to be great for our players. So I make you know I want to make sure our players keep an eye out for this when it comes out. It'd be really good for Fringeworthy, especially. You could probably steal some of it for even like um, uh, what, what do you think? Hardwired Hinterland. You could probably do a, an Enveron for that, maybe. There's no Environ for uh, Mesoamerica so far in Hardwood Hinterland. So there's no reason why you couldn't just plop it in there. And then Weird Zone, of course. You could do something with Weird Zone with it. And technically, it, the current environs are more or less somewhat Western culture, you know, North, North American culture. So you could have an islands of several. So you have the, the Mayan island. You have the Aztec island. You have the Cahokia island. And you go from one to the other. You know, for our TriTech players, this, this would be a good product. I mean, keep an eye out for it, definitely. Playing an incursion, just change and make them all aliens. <laughs> <laughs> now you're reaching. Now you're reaching, John. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a stretch. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not seeing that one. <laughs> hey, they were able to do that with the see um Bow Beyond the Stars was the Medi- with Magnificent Seven, which was of course, you know, Seven Samurai. Uh, no. <laughs> All right, so anyway, so Tim, thanks for coming on. Um, you want to wrap the show up? All right. Well, as you already said, Tim, thank you so much for coming on and telling us about this great product you have coming out we're really going to look forward to it and we're going to make sure we tell everybody about it on our facebook pages and if anybody has any questions for tim please contact him through his normal channels but we'll be willing to pass along any questions that you may have to him Uh, so please uh, stay in touch promote tim's stuff uh, and make sure you buy it when you get the opportunity Buy it. Buy it. Yeah, that's a a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And while you're doing it, buy some Fringeworthy. Uh, I can't say we'll have even greater guests because, Tim, you're pretty luminary. But we'll have certainly more things to interest you as time goes on in our future episodes. But that's going to have to wait till next week. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers.
Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.